0: You know, I've been in this industry for a long time, and the longer I'm in the industry, the, the, the less I know. I'm not certain of anything except that my connections to my friends and the people in my life that have affected me um, for good or bad, you know, one way or another, but especially those people that have helped steer my process or supported me or just, you know, been, been there. Um, and been my friends is like, those are the one, that's like the one thing in life I know. If, if everything else goes away, that's the foundation, right? That is what um, I can rely on. That is, you know, knowing that those people know me, I know them, we haven't spoken in years, they're still awesome. And it's like that personal connection is like, well, really all that matters.
1: Mark Youngquist, a craft beer industry legend. His homebrewing days started in 1979 in Denver after Jimmy Carter legalized homebrewing on a national level. He went on to begin his professional brewing career at Columbia River Brewery, aka Bridgeport, in Portland, Oregon, and then to co-found and work at the Walnut Brewery in Boulder, Colorado, and subsequently the Rock Bottom Breweries, where he helped build more than 30 brew pubs around the country. He also helped resurrect the Boulder Brewery in 1991 and co-founded the St. Croix Brewing Company in the U.S. Virgin Islands before settling into his quiet nook of the San Juan Mountains in the mouth of the Dolores River Valley. Hey everyone! It's fall of 2023 now. The sisterhood of the Traveling Podcast Equipment Case is making its way across the country via snail mail, and I take a field trip to Dolores River Brewery to meet with our final guest. I'm Emily Hutto, and you're listening to Radcraft Industry Relief. Hi, Mark. Hi, I am. I'm so glad I'm here.
0: I'm glad you're here, too. It's really <laughs> nice to have you.
1: It's really good to see your face in person. Oh.
0: My name is Mark Youngquist. I am the owner and brewer at Dolores River Brewery. Um, yeah, we've been here for nearly 22 years and hopefully many more.
1: So Dolores River Brewery is about a 45-minute drive, 50 miles-ish from Durango, where I live. And ironically enough, you and I met online.
0: Indeed. (laughs) During the height of, shall we say, the incident.
1: Let's call it that. I like that. (laughs) So incident occurs, and then You, as Dolores River Brewery, signed up for our co-op and started participating in our industry relief calls shortly after that. It was was a pretty fast-track timeline of us first meeting virtually and then officially seeing each other's faces on those Zoom chats. Mm -hmm. And without... Well, I'd been here and loved your beer and loved the environment, but without having met you and only really knowing a few things about your story within the industry... I felt like I very quickly got to know you through those industry relief chats. And the reason for that, Mark, was because you showed up with this energy of, I'm here to be a part of the collective. I don't quite know what my role is, but I'm here to help. And that energy was very grounding for me, and it made me feel very comfortable with you right off the bat.
0: That's lovely and lovely to hear you say You know, I'd been in the industry long enough to have witnessed a number of upsets or challenges. And so it was a time where I could provide a space of it's going to be okay, Right. We are smart people. We are passionate people. And together we can create great things. These are times of opportunity, not of like devastation. So it was like when your invitation came and in, it was like, this is exactly what I'm looking for, you know, a way to connect. When I moved down to Dolores nearly 30 years ago, I was in the industry um, and at that point maybe a little bit of a celebrity and I wanted to, I wanted to step back from that. And so I, I kind of isolated myself, especially from, you know, the community of craft brewing, um, something I kind of regret now. You know, there's a lot of people that I... I uh, lost connection with that I wish I could uh, have had a deeper connection with and I wish um, any number of other things but I also got an opportunity to really understand what it was about this business that I was attracted to and how I wanted to run it regardless of what else was going on out there you know what was going to work for me and what became important is how my vision was going to continue to evolve for me regardless of what the industry says is cool, or now, or hip, or successful. So, and it was also a way to just, yeah, to connect with people like Laura Lodge, who you'll be speaking with again, and Julie Hertz, and all the others that, um, that kind of joined us in some of those calls it was really, it was really fun. It was really uh, reinvigorating and foundationally supportive during the time of the incident.
1: I didn't start the industry relief call Out of any other reason than people asked me to, what are you going to do? Are you going to have a Zoom chat or are you going to give us a reason to all meet virtually? And then I actually looked forward to it because I got to connect with these people who I normally wouldn't be speaking to that regularly in my what was normal life before. I mean, Julia is in Lyons, Colorado. We're here in Dolores. Laura was in Ohio. Kate was in Montana, I mean, everyone was just so spread out, so it actually became this cool, unified space where we got to spend time with each other when we maybe wouldn't have otherwise.
0: There were, uh, there were ways that I, I mean, it really helped me because I connected with old colleagues and old friends in the industry that I haven't speak, spoken to in years and years. It was just an idea-generating time, but it was also a, connect, a connection-generating time.
1: In our last episode, we flashed back to a moment from an industry relief Zoom chat in 2021 when we shared what we had learned in the past year. Here's Mark.
0: In the in the kind of the, the realm of trying to create a business and see it succeed in those c- first couple of years, we have a tendency to try and uh, be all things to all people. Um, now, it's, my business has been open for quite a while, and I felt like... Uh, I'd become trapped by all the decisions I'd made to create something for everyone. Um, and I was struggling to find a way out of that within my business. So, in other words, I was trying to change the nature of my business uh in a way that would spark my uh joy again.
1: What was your life like then? And what is it like now, three years later, in the context? Of the beer industry?
0: Um, it's been a long time coming, but I, I finally kind of divorced people's notion that we are a restaurant with the expectations that brings with it. When people walk in going, you're a restaurant, meaning, you know, the hostess is going to seat us. The waiter is going to take our order. I want some iced tea or lemonade. There's coffee afterwards. What's your dessert? Blah, blah, blah. You know, all those things. Um, so it really divorced me from, or I had the opportunity to separate that concept and and create something anew. We also built this big uh, beer garden in the back of the brewery here um, and expanded in that way so we've opened up a lot of opportunity to create more of a kind of a beer garden kind of concept. You know it's like I spent a, a bunch of time in southern Germany many years ago in Austria and I just fell in love with the notion of like drinking beer outside and connecting with people, you know, in that really casual kind of like we're in the park kind of feeling, you know. And in Germany, you can literally be in the park and drinking beer and hanging out. And the United States kind of got to create your own little park somewhere. And so that was the notion of being able to um, create a really casual and easygoing uh, area for people to come and connect and have a beer and on occasion listen to live music. You know, our revenue dropped by, well, probably over 50%, but our, our profit margins are about the same. So I got to say, with, you know, less labor and more, you know, less overhead, it's just really helped. More sanity. That's a profit you can't put, a, put dollars on, <laughs> but it's got to be way up there.
1: <laughs> sanity is a, is a high value thing in, in these, these days. Mm-hmm. So your beer garden is truly, from the bottom of my heart, one of my favorite places on earth. Nice. And I know part of it is because of the setting and the scenario that you've created. It's, it's floral and it's just lush with, with greens and, and plants. And you're surrounded by the gorgeous San Juan Mountains. And um, this place is home to me. So I know there's some psychological, emotional impact when I say this is my favorite place on earth or one of them. But I also think there's this dynamic that has been created with you and the people who work for you and serve this community. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an articulated, cultivated space that really makes people feel comfortable. At least I'll speak for myself. And, and one of my fondest memories is sitting out in your beer garden with my dog. I finished Catcher in the Rye which is a book that most people read at least my age in America when they're in high school or maybe college. And I, for some reason, my schooling skipped that one. And there's so many references and allusions to that particular book. So I had had picked it up one summer and finished it on your patio and just had this moment of space and peace to absorb this book I had read and I think it was about 15 minutes later that you came and found me and and we drank some beer together, but it's a fond memory for me and it was amid chaos. Mm -hmm. And I've always felt like I could come to this space amid chaos and just breathe and be. Maybe we should all take a pause here so we can breathe and be. I feel really grateful to call you one of my friends. And truly, it's because of this industry relief chat that we got to know each other. And I believe it was maybe a few months into the chat that I reached out and said, hey, Mark, I'm going to come see you. And that was when we started being friends in real time, in the flesh, <laughs> outside of, of Zoom chats. But it's, it's true that you've always reached out and made a point to say hey and give a fist bump, I love that. And you've inspired and motivated me to do the same. And, and now I've, I sort of feel the, I feel the hole in my life if I don't get out to Dolores every couple months and have oh. a beer with you, <laughs> <laughs> or a couple beers with you. <laughs> what was it that kept you coming back and staying such a, a key communicator in those calls with us?
0: It was the connection. I think we're all looking for places to belong, and you know, expand uh, and be included. And again, in in that moment in time, I think there was a there was a lot of opportunity. And you know, stepping into that place where we're all standing in chaos, and knowing that oh, we're standing together. We're all just human beings trying to figure this out. That creation of connection through Zoom, I mean, it was really, it was really vital, that moment, you know, it's like, I think we've all become Zoomed out a little bit, uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> but in the circumstances, you know, that was the, that was a brilliant tool, you know, and that was a way in which, you know, we were going to continue to create community and create connection and, you know, feel supported.
1: How have you seen the beer industry change for good in the last couple of years?
0: There, there were opportunities, I think, everywhere, depending on, you know, how you would look at them. And I think a lot of people, if, if you focused on trying to recreate the way it's always been, then it was a real struggle. And if you look for opportunities to recreate something new and different, it was like, oh. Then you had, you know, the, the world is your oyster kind of thing. You see problems if you want to see problems. You see opportunities if you want to see opportunities. I think we've talked in the past about like when I was homebrewing and, you know, it's like back in my day, but really, you know, like you couldn't get ingredients. You didn't like have yeast strains that you could order online and have, you know, I got my Belgian wit strain today or you've got the files, you know, the things that are available now are just like indicative of the long-term growth of like how the popularity of this has continued to evolve. Um, So that's been great right? It's brought uh, a bigger awareness. Uh, It's grown craft beer and what beer means into a a, a cultural phenomenon that's been embraced, I think, in a way that's like cooking, opened up this palate that's really fun to play with. And so it's it's cool to watch brewers experiment and play around with what's possible. It's also ridiculous.
1: (laughs) Yep. And I just got to say
0: that. It was like, They've taken it, you know, it's like, granted, in the realms of experimentation, I, at one point, tried to make a stout with Coke. And I thought, well, I mean, there was barley as well, but I was like, I wonder what, you know, some way before we had any idea of, like, even how to make a cola, you know, it was like, I'm going to use Coke. And I didn't know that sodium benzoate would instantly kill the yeast tr- strain that I put in there. <laughs> what, ab- what are you noticing out there in terms of, like, what's, where, where are we headed
1: That's a good question. So I think my soapbox answer to that question is that we're headed toward ingredients that matter, that are harvested in responsible ways, and that help end users, brewers, distillers, tell a story with their product. And I think that that story can be so pertinent to the earth and therefore completely appealing to us earthlings because that's what we're made of too. And so I think there's a synergy between the story we're telling about our products and the why we chose what went into them. I think if you look at statistics right now, among grocery store shoppers and farmer's market shoppers, people are purchasing local more now than ever before, and they're asking more questions than ever before about where that food comes from. So on my soapbox... If we care so much about where our food comes from, why wouldn't we care deeply about where our beer and our spirits come from too? So I do think that there is an industry lean toward ingredients that matter and ingredients that establish a sense of place in the final product. And that just delights me to no end because if we can start talking about what this this liquid in our glass is made of, then I think we have that much more compelling of a story. And it's not just about marketing, it's about connecting with people and and giving them a reason to come back that is quality. But I also see people choosing to go back to their local brewery or the brewery that feels local or comfortable to them because they want to support. They realize that their money matters now more than ever before. And I see more repeat customers at certain places for no other reason than the fact that they dig Mark and Mark's beer or they dig whoever's beer at their place in their home. So that's another trend that's really exciting to me because I think that we need loyalists in this community now more than ever before. Something I've noticed over the years is the industry is always pushing the limits and then the pendulum tends to shift back just a little bit after we push those limits and we realize that we actually just want something that's a little bit more drinkable and repeatable. And I think we continue to push and then pull back. Um, if, if the lager renaissance that's going on across our community right now sticks around, I'd be delighted. But I think that's what we're experiencing right now is this return to a little bit more easy drinking, approachable, simple flavors
0: it does have to come back to the pendulum swinging back to what kind of, what, I mean, after the experimentation do, is done and morbid curiosity has been satisfied, what do I come back to now that I just want to, I just want to have a damn beer? Because it's really about like, we're sitting down and we're in a social environment, right? We're, the reason we're sitting here drinking beer is not just be, because it's beer. I've often thought there's like, there's more to this story then I'm going to have these, you know, it's like, if the beer is the whole experience, and I was like, that's boring, Yeah. you know, it's really how the, how the beer is facilitating the experience, how the beer is there to, you know, open us to like, let some of us, our guard down a little bit, to open us to being more curious.
1: Well, you're speaking to something that I wholeheartedly believe in, which is that beer is just the vessel, beer is the connection point, but successful businesses and great brands focus on not just beer but beer and fill in the blank and so for those mentees that you were working with it sounds like those folks have this really nice hone in on the fact that they want to make great beer but they want to use it to cultivate something else around them Indeed. and it seems like that's what you do here too.
0: I've never been a trend chaser
1: I'm not Thank much <laughs> of a,
0: I've never been, I, I'm not much of a trendsetter either. I mean, it's like really brewing is, uh, I guess that the, the trends I would set have nothing to do with making the liquid that you're consuming. Like, I know what I like, um, as a friend, a dear friend of mine said once, you know, and his wife said, do you like, do you, you know, did he produce good beer? I was like, did you go, you know, he came to visit me and, um. And uh, she was like, how's the beer? And I was like, I like Mark. I, they were Mark beers. They were beers Mark makes. And I like Mark. So it was great. You know, it was like, and there's no higher praise. Like you said, the beer's the vessel. This is an opportunity to sit down and connect with somebody. And this is going to facilitate that process. Beer can facilitate the connection of two people or more in the way that Beer has always facilitated um, curiosity and the notion that, like, we can expand our minds, that none of us have the answers, that we're all amazing and beautiful, and that by connecting with other people, our worlds expand. We're just humans struggling to understand why we're here and what we're, you know, what we're about, or even how to get through the day, you know, and... There's a place where you can let the worries and concerns and the distractions of what's out there down for a minute and connect on a uh, on a human level in a way that, you know, can create relationship, that can heal our wounds, that can l- help us remember to remember that we're really all one. We're just having different experiences.
1: Mark has a special way of weaving beer industry topics into broader conversations about life. Because in the end, isn't that what it's all about? All of the guests on this podcast have said in their own ways that beer is a conduit for human connection. It's the vessel, the reason to gather. Cultivating that gathering space is where Mark has found deep purpose. He articulated this when he and I were guests on the Beer Sessions podcast in 2022.
0: I Philosophically, I, I use something that, um, every, that my mission would point to, that my vision would point to. I call it my North Star, and my North Star is uh, to heal the planet. And so the, the way in which I set my business up and every decision that I take and every person I hire and every uh, kind of beer I brew is in alignment with the notion of, how does this contribute to healing the planet? And my idea is that people in connection uh, are powerful and people uh, disconnected from each other are destructive. Um, So if I can create a way in which people can come together and be in connection and make connections with each other, then um, anything is possible. And that is the way I can contribute to healing the planet.
1: This heal the planet mantra really resonates with me. I'm a mantra person. I had several of them to share back in 2021 when we were reflecting on what we'd learned in the last year. Let's go back to that Zoom chat one last time. I, um, in 2020, got my ass completely handed to me. um, And always, I... Uh, I I experienced an uh, unearthing of who I am and how I run my business and what my relationships mean. And um, in in that chaos, I I find a lot of inspiration and also just action items in mantras. I, I think they are really simple grounding statements that can create big action. And because 2020 was such a dumpster turned forest fire that lit my world up, I I have a lot of mantras for you today. So here is my list um, of of every not everything, not even close, actually. But here's my comprehensive list for all of you today of the mantras I've been coming home to start where you are, use what you have, do what you can, where your attention goes, energy flows, You are what you eat and what you project on others. Progress is never arriving. PR is a long-term relationship. Inclusivity is a practice. Everyone is just doing their best today. Align instead of hustle. Stay curious. The only way out is through. I want to close today by um, noting that this, in this last year, I lost a lot of the people who I thought were my people. And um, I, when I looked up after the reckoning and the rumble, I, I saw all of you. After I spill my guts out, as Kristen calls it, the Zoom room is quiet. Looking back on the recording, I can see some of the folks in their squares smiling and nodding. Julia throws an enthusiastic fist pump into the air. Mark looks like a proud papa. Like I'm a student who just discovered the formula for a universal truth, and he's the teacher. Time slows here. And before we log off, we linger in the vibration of the collective consciousness that we have raised. I'm so glad I met you during this wild chaos and I'm so glad to be here.
0: It's been an honor and so much
1: fun. Thank you, I feel the same. (laughs) Awesome. You're awesome, thank you. You're awesome. (laughs) I think we did it. I think we did the thing. Thank you, Mark for the presence and capacity with which you showed up for Radcraft industry relief. When we finished recording, our audio engineer, Eli, and I hovered over the bar across from Mark, talking more shop and sharing more stories. I want to say we tried a fresh cold pail on tap and maybe his dry stout that I love, but I don't remember the beers as much as I do our conversation. They were Mark beers. And I like Mark. Radcraft Industry Relief was produced by myself, engineer Eli Cartwright, editor Josh Mandrala, and content manager Carson Kraus. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Barrick, with accompanying tunes composed by Eli Cartwright. Our podcast artwork was designed by Erica Hall. Thanks are in order for all of our industry relief call participants with special gratitude for the folks featured on this show. I am so thankful for their energy and insight. Julia, Laura, Kate, Kristen, Mark, thank you so much. I can't close this thing down without recognition of Peter August, who thought of this podcast and many of our relief call topics in the first place. Thank you, Peter. Until next time, y'all. Cheers. This podcast has been a Radcraft production. Get to know us at radcraftbeer.com slash industry relief.